1: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? Yeah. We're here. It's time. Giddy up. Uh, it's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Uh, coming at you on well, a pretty big week here in Knicksland. Um, we'll get into things and events and whatnot in a bit. First, let me throw it to my um my my better podcasting half, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, sir.
2: Hey John! uh, Happy Father's Day to you. You know we're recording on Saturday. Happy Father's Day to my own father, who I love very much, and to everyone out there who is a father, uh, who has a father they're celebrating with, or who uh, is missing their father for whatever reason or whatnot. Um, Really awesome day. So great day for dads.
1: It is a good day for. I'm happy to be dad. I'm I'm happy to be dad. I know. I know. uh... Like dad gets bad, like dad jokes, dad movies. I love all that shit. I'm very, very here <laughs> for it. I have no complaints. <laughs> I have no complaints. <laughs> you almost hit yourself in the face with your microphone. Yeah, just trying to work on volume, but that's alright. <laughs> this is Nevertheless, like. as, a, as a dad, I'm like, I could identify that you are hitting yourself in the face with your microphone and that's why I'm here to give missed. guidance.
2: Just missed, but yes.
1: Um. So like you said, we're recording this on Saturday night. Uh, They're was uh, when we last talked, there was a possibility that there was going to be a basketball game tomorrow on Sunday night. <laughs> there is not going to be a basketball game on Sunday night because the season has ended. I said uh, my piece on it, uh, but I actually I'm trying to think. <laughs> See, this is why this is how you know you are in front of a microphone too often. I can't remember that I say something on this spot or on Patreon. <laughs> Either way, been Patreon. It might yeah. Patreon. <laughs> so let's both say something about the Warriors <laughs> winning. Uh, I'll
2: throw it to you first. What do, you, what do you think? God. Thank God. I'm so... Listen, I can't... I just can't do Boston sports. I can't do it. I can't root for Boston in any capacity. So it was really nice to not have to worry about the stress of are the Celtics going to win in Game 7? Are the Warriors going to blow it? It just... They didn't. They closed it out in great fashion. Really happy that it happened. It was still... But here's the thing. It's a. It was a great season for Boston. And I know that I don't have to give them a compliment, but on the next episode of cream, I actually, there's something that they did that is really just impressive. Uh, I'll, I'll save it until then, but okay. organizationally they, they're a great model and um, their time is now they've got a, a pristine three year window. It's just about other teams loading up or getting better and we'll see what happens next year.
1: Um, I, well said, i I will just say briefly as as the dad as the dad of the two of us, uh, I, I dads like to have things neat and orderly. We don't like confusion. We don't like, you know, when the when the proper world order is thrown into a miss. And to that end, it made me feel warm and comforted inside that the generational superstar won the championship there is something about the very old nba fan of me when it's whether it's jordan or it's jack or it's duncan or it's lebron or it's steph and he belongs and that we're not gonna do the whole the steph ranking conversation it's been done to death um but he is in that group and the fact that he is he's the one holding the trophy i'm like okay at the same time <laughs> it's a little discouraging because it's really hard to get those guys <laughs> and the Knicks don't currently have one. And for, and I, that's why I'm looking forward to, to cream because um, I'm sure you'll touch on how the Celtics really did a very nice job of team building. And they, they, re, I mean, I don't want to say that they, they didn't miss any steps. Every team screws up something along the way, um, but they really did it, you know, as well as you could reasonably be ex- expect a team to do it. And uh, it wasn't enough. And, you know, again, we're not going to, get into the reasons why that is but you know part of it is they just they ran into they ran into stuff and that's that's what it is um so that's enough of that uh and now we move on to the 2022-23 NBA (laughs) season because there is no rest for the weary um I guess how do you want to you want to open with Mr. Wood Christian Wood yeah might as well
2: sounds like a good place to start Uh,
1: I mean, listen, there was, well, we should say that there were two transactions that actually, no, before we get to it really quickly, what did you think of the Nuggets Thunder deal? So for anybody who doesn't know uh, the, in a, in a report that I had to reread a couple of times to make sure I wasn't, (laughs) I'm sure I wasn't the only one, right? I, I, that, okay. So the, so the thunder or the, excuse me, the Nuggets offloaded the expiring contract of uh, Jermichael Green's eight point something million. Uh, he had a player option, which obviously he's opting into. Um, and they are getting the 30th pick in, an, as they unload a contract that ostensibly uh, they wanted to move off of for money reasons. And we don't have to go too deep into that if you don't want to. Um, and they are getting, or they're sorry, they're also getting, I think a couple of seconds and they're giving a, a future first-round pick that is protected. I have not seen the protections reported. Have you?
2: I haven't looked that closely.
1: I don't think it's... I don't think it's out there. So I I would assume it's not like top four. I would assume it's like top 10 lottery, something, you know, I, I would be surprised if the Nuggets organizationally gave away something that had a chance to be very good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Does this say something about the value of late first-round picks in this draft? Does this say something about the thunder. We're like, man, nobody wants our cap space before July 1st. As a reminder to everybody. Also the thunder were the last team that had cap space in this league year. So use it or lose it. Um, yeah. What did you take from that trade?
2: Good trade for the thunder because they have to spend the money. Anyway, they're below the salary. They're well below the salary cap. They're below the cap floor. So it's money that would be going towards players anyway, might as well take an asset and push it out because the thunder have too many picks. Yes. Um, they they need to consolidate in some way, which is why we're also seeing conversations of the idea of them moving from 12 to 7. Maybe they include 34 in there as well because they already have two. So that's the beauty of having so many picks. It's great until you then have too many. And you could say you never have too many picks. That's an argument that could be made because you could draft and stashes. But then there could be moments where maybe you do have too many picks. You have too many roster spots. You need to figure something out. So it was smart on their end. Um, And for Denver, it was a tax maneuvering. They get out of um, deeper tax hell than they need to. I think the bigger thing was they probably shouldn't have extended Jamichael Green, but they do get a traded player exception out of it, which is something that could be important if they want to turn Jamichael Green into something better. As long as they're not hard capped, I don't see why they would be then they should be fine. So it was a good trade for both teams. I, I like it better for the Thunder, but uh, it was still good for Denver as well.
1: Yeah. I guess it's just, it's strange because it, traditionally when we think of like you, you, you pay a first to unload money and like here, the Thunder are or excuse me, the Nuggets are paying a first, they're paying a distant first, but they also pick up a first in the process, which is kind of like, it's nice for them that now they get 30 and I think they have 21 also. Yep. Um, I, You know, I don't, I thought about how this might relate to the Knicks. I, I don't, know that it really does other than maybe like if you were thinking the Knicks might want to trade down and pick up like a, like a a first in like the middle of the first round and then a pick in the late first round. It seems like the value of the late first round picks in this particular draft, especially we, um, well, let's, that's a good transition um, to the Christian Wood trade. Uh, so the Dallas Mavericks also traded away a late first round pick along with a bunch of salary for a bunch of guys that don't matter. Expiring contracts. Uh, And they get a pretty good player out of it. I think this is a nice little trade for the Dallas Mavericks. And I don't know any other way to put it other than that, unless I am missing something. Am I missing something, Jeremy Cohen?
2: Well, this is essentially Christian Wood for the 26th pick, which is, that's interesting value. Um, Wood's a good (laughs) offensive player. He is. The, The question, of course, is can he mentally be the player that the Mavericks need him to be? Mm-hmm. Because he's gone from stop to stop. And there have been questions and about attitude. And you know, there's something to be said of, well, he maybe wants to win. He's on losing teams all the time. I Sure, I hear that. But also, there are players who are plenty of players who are on losing teams that don't act in a way that he has acted. Like it, To me, it's just to be disciplined by your head coach last season when there are players who are six, seven years younger than you are, and they're acting like professionals, it's just, it's a little confounding. There's a reason why this is the thing. I saw a lot of folks being like, Oh my God, this is a steal for Dallas. Well, why do you think his value was the 27, 26 pick overall? Because someone that is that good offensively, There, there are some warts there, and especially oh, no, on the yeah. defensive side. I, there's an entire thread on Twitter, which is hilarious, of Christian Wood defensive mishaps, where it's just guys blowing by him. Uh, he didn't get care. He like, does, right. Yeah, he didn't can care. Can he so, care yeah. enough to be worth it? Like, it's Again, I like the deal for both teams. Uh, it makes a lot of sense for why the Rockets would want to do that and why the Mavs would too. The question I have is then, and this can maybe be another segue, The Mavs are bringing in a center who is good offensively, who's not going to hold down the paint in any way, really. But more importantly, perhaps, is a higher usage player. And there's so many mouths to feed on Dallas. How does that impact other players? And how might that impact someone like Jalen Brunson? Uh,
1: So just in regards to Christian Wood, I do think... Because there were certainly Nick fans who were like, "We really we couldn't come up with something better than the twenty six pick and like salary flotsam to get a guy who, you know, might help our team." I think everything. You, and for anybody who doesn't know, there was a specific incident where Wood basically refused to check back into a game at halftime. I think he wasn't. The, there was maybe his teammate uh, Kevin Porter Jr. like left the arena or something. I don't think he like left. Or, but it was not good. It, it was a very bad situation. And like. You could even go back further than that. Like the Pistons were a team that like had money and they had a chance to, like they had a young talent clearly very talented offensive player and they let him go to the Rockets for not a massive payday, like decent payday, but like so that may tell you something. So I think if you're a young team or a team that is not sure you're going to be, you know, a contender, um maybe you didn't want to go after Christian Wood because you're like, "Eh, I don't know what he's going to mean to our culture." and if you're looking at contending teams well a lot of those teams don't need starting centers because they already have someone pretty good so in that sense you could look at the mavs and be like yeah they kind of fit in that sweet spot where they had a glaring hole in the middle and they um uh you know needed to or they had an asset to to give up and they're and they're a contender so i i get i get it um still feels a little light but in terms of the usage thing I guess that depends a little bit on Christian Wood and how he is going to accept his role there because anyone alongside Luka Doncic is not going to be like the center of attention. I don't know. You th-
2: contract year.
1: It is a contract year. It is a contract year. He hasn't made that much money. This contract was what he got paid about 40 million bucks on this deal. Total it's around there. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, he never made any money to speak of. So yeah, I mean, and look we've God knows we've talked about the 2023 free aging class. Uh, it's not like there's going to be a lot of big names on the market. I mean, there's a very there's a chance Christian Wood, if he has himself a really nice season, is going to get a like really well paid. So you think this may have an effect on Bronson? Well, I'll say this as
2: well. Christian Wood is now continuous soup.
1: <laughs> the Mavs
2: were I able to swap out salary that was going nowhere for something that they could extend. But what's interesting about that too, is if they plan on keeping him and why wouldn't they, then theoretically that's also going to be more in luxury taxes, not this upcoming season, but the one after when you're paying Luca and you're paying uh, Christian wood, who's eligible to be extended, I guess six months or so from the date of the trade for 120% of a salary, which I think actually he, he might, he could do. He could, if he's having like a good enough season where he's earning uh, probably what, like 15, $16 million, 17 might be a little bit more than that.
1: Yeah. I think 17 is the most he could earn with that one twenty percent If he's having a good season, I'd be surprised if he extended for that amount, not shocked. I'd be surprised.
2: The only thing is you have to think about how many players how many teams have cap space for the 2023, 24 season? I think it might actually be less, but we'll see how that shakes out soon. And so if it's fewer than what you got now and you're doing well and you like what's going on, then maybe you just kind of accept the offer and you're probably not going anywhere unless it's for a legitimate star, which again could happen, but it seems like they need him more than they would need someone like Brunson where even though Brunson's the better player there, they can find a way to make Brunson more expendable than they would. Christian Wood, because the center market isn't great. They, they probably just determined we can't get a center for the tax mid-level exception, which is like $6 million. Yeah. We can't sign and trade for one because it will hard cap us and we're going to be well above that $155 million. So it doesn't make sense for us to do that. So yeah, let's, let's, Give our 26th pick. We don't know how to draft well in the last 20 years outside of the year 2018. So might as well just say screw it. I get why they did it. It's just, I think it'll have some pretty interesting ramifications as well.
1: Um that is a good transition to Jalen Brunson. So Jalen Brunson um went on a podcast, what was it, two days ago? Like a couple something of days? Like something yeah. like that. And um I'll be honest. I did not listen to the pod. I know what generally what was said. Uh, So I'm going to turn it over to you because you, I think, actually listened to it. But in essence, he uh, sounded like a guy who was, in talking about the Dallas Mavericks, was talking about a team that he is still very much in on. Is that a fair representation?
2: See, I don't even... (laughs) I understand that I'm coming from a position where I would like Jalen Brunson on the Knicks. So in my mind, it's like, what can I look for and parse out? I tried everything to take a, a different approach from that and just look at it as objectively as possible. Okay, I know a lot of people were, you know, quote, retweeting it or replying or in the comments being like, oh, you know, Jalen Brunson, he's talking, he's saying we, and he's like, he's thinking about the future. And in my mind, I'm just thinking, what is he supposed to say? Uh, Yeah. If he said they, everyone would be going, oh my God, what does he mean? They, he's a maverick. Right this moment, he's still under contract as a maverick. And I just think that it would create far more controversy. Like he could say, he could speak generally. He could say, you know, you have to do this. or But then even still, I think that would just, create a lot of questions can
1: can i throw something at you sure there has been there have been i feel like murmurings now with free agency two weeks away that perhaps the dallas mavericks are not ready to completely open up the checkbook for Jalen brunson um could this be a, you know, we talked about the Donovan Mitchell pre-pre-exit strategy, Woj, you know, Quinn Snyder leak, what, whatever it is. I'm, I'm unsettled or un, un, unsullied. I don't know what the hell he said. Um, could this be a little bit of that sort of gamesmanship? Like, you know, thinking ahead to the to the press conference in which he may be wearing a different uniform, wearing a different hat, I guess, as it were. Um, talking about like, yeah, I'll be honest. I would have loved to be back in Dallas They didn't value me to the point that team X did, you know?
2: Yeah. And there's only so much he can say. There's only so much anyone can say. Um, I not to shift gears too much, but shift the fact that there's been so much silence from the Knicks about almost everything (laughs) I really think is killing people because it gets to this (laughs) point where I love it. You know how in, um, so, a tactic to use in negotiations that works is silence. Yeah. You have to let silence linger. And the thing is, like if I want to talk about a negotiation tactic of, "I want more money," if I say, "Hey, I want X amount," and then you say nothing, and you're interviewing me, you're potentially hiring me. And there's just kind of like quiet, nothing really going on. I might feel encouraged to start speaking because the silence feels awkward. And maybe I did something. Maybe I shouldn't be speaking. And I think that what we do is we take words and weigh them so heavily that it creates scenarios where we just kind of not delude, but it's, we wrap ourselves into it, right? Like What we got from this Brunson situation, all we have is Mark Cuban saying, well, we can offer him the most money. We, we, can, we can give him the most years. We yep. want to keep him. We think he wants to stay here. And all of a sudden, boom. You Know, but what are the Knicks supposed to say? They can't say anything, no, because he's a member of the Mavericks, that would be considered tampering. They wouldn't say anything, they've been so quiet. And I, you know, I understand, I get we have different viewpoints on, especially on Randall and how he's viewed. And maybe we could talk about that afterwards, but it almost feels like, from what I've seen, a lot of Knicks fans, because they've heard nothing, say, Oh, well, this. This must mean he's not going anywhere. So we're accepting that he's not going to be, that he's going to be here. We're resigned to that fact. And that's the case. And honestly, we don't have the information to dictate one way or the other that he's going to stay or he's going to go. But to circle back just to Brunson, there were two things that stood out to me. Number one was he had this conversation or it wasn't a conversation, so so to speak, but it was Duncan Robinson asking him about how you get back to this point. And Brunson said, yeah, you know, just ego, you got to put it aside. We have to work together, Um, really focus on being a team and together. And it's funny because I was listening to this after you and Mike spoke and there's a Mm. whole Christophs Porzingis mindset of how maybe they didn't love KP. And I'm thinking about it. And it's like, well, then you're talking about ego and the Mavs just brought in Christian Wood who has never really demonstrated the ability to be a team first, me second player. I'm not saying that it was connected. It was just a funny coincidence to hear that. It reminded me as well of like, this is Tom Thibodeau's philosophy. This is what he stands for. And cool. I know that his father, Rick Brunson, stands for this. And I know that he and Tom Thibodeau have similar core values because they will have now worked in three different locations could together.
1: We, Can we take it one step further? Yeah. And I say this as the Again, everybody knows. Foremost, Luca fan. Uh, you know, outside of that, I, I, I shouldn't say I'm a fan of his. I love his game. I think very highly of him as a player and what he's going to be someday. Is it not? Um, could it not be considered a little egotistical slash selfish to repeatedly come into camp out of shape? You gonna, know, I was going to appo- that too. Yeah, as opposed to a Jalen Brunson who, I mean, I. I don't have firsthand knowledge of his work ethic, but he would sure seem like he's put in the work as much as one can put in the work over the years. So again, kind of two very different things. I, you know, that's
2: that's a great segue to the second thing that I was going to say. Sure, which is that. Brunson talked about, you know, because Duncan Robinson and Brunson faced off against each other in the finals, Villanova versus Michigan, Villanova won. It was the second national championship that Brunson won. And one of the things that Brunson said was, I have been underestimated at every single point in my basketball career. When I was in high school, played well, college, played well, NBA, play well. Every single time it's, yeah, Jalen's a great player, but yeah when you said chip on his shoulder, that's what came to my mind as well. And it goes back to the whole thing. We don't know these people, but what I can tell you from listening to Jalen Brunson, there is a big part of him just from coming across in that interview. And I'm really trying not to read too much into it, but it seems like there is a part of him that is pretty significant that wants validation, who has been told for so long, you're not Anything special. Wait,
1: his dad told us this in he that did. interview yes, from he did. whatever it was a month ago.
2: And it just screams to me where if there is a place where if you wanted to oh. feel special, feel validated, feel like you're at home, like you're comfortable. It's New York. The question, of course, is, is leaving Dallas worth it for Brunson? And we just don't know the answer for that. It's unanswerable for us. But it just was fascinating to me that you're talking like he's talking about ego and teamwork and everyone coming together and being a workhorse uh, and living and dying in the gym. And then people
1: don't believe in me. So this is, you know, we always, we've talked for years and over the last several weeks about the meaning of winning and what winning does for an organization. And for years, the notion of a very good player coming to the Knicks was immediately met, the criti- The first criticism, among, amongst probably several criticisms, the first criticism is usually, well, why would you want to go to the Knicks and lose? I know they did not have a good year last year, although as much as we shat on it, as you yourself have brought up time and time again over the last several weeks, they still, still won 37 games. Um, and the year before that, and this is what I'm really getting to, is I think that dispelled the notion that, you know, the Knicks are just never going to be an organization that can win because what did Tom Thibodeau do? He took a a team that wasn't expected to win very much. And he won games with them because he got them to play a certain way. Now we don't have to get into what went wrong this year. Things went wrong and the ship went sideways and then, and then probably backwards for, for a bit. Um, But I think Jalen Brunson, let me I'll streamline this. This is not about Jalen Brunson being like, Oh, I want to go take the money and be in the New York spotlight. I think he believes that if he comes here, he can help turn the thing around to where it was a year ago and maybe even surpass that. And I think that is where, you know, we, we talked a week ago about the meaning of Rick Brunson coming here. Like it's not that he's coming, he would be coming here to play for his dad. But he i'm sure he knows what type of coach his dad is. I'm sure he knows how demanding his his dad is, and I'm sure he knows what it is, what it means to play for a Tom WO team. Um I, I, the the one part against what I'm saying is the Randall piece of it and the fact that Randall was not held accountable last year. And I I i I, I wonder what Jalen Brunson thinks of that. Um, but again, that's not something we could know.
2: True. I do want to talk about this last the the episode okay so i was listening to it a couple of things came to mind the first one i have to be a stickler about this
1: i just please stickle
2: is stickle a verb yeah sure stickle S- wait. stickle away stick oh yeah okay um you and chris had discussed the fisher report where randall and fournier no one really wants them it was implied well, but, but the thing I struggled with was it didn't seem implied because the whole nature of their value was intertwined with clearing cap space for Brunson, which is different than they don't have value for matching salary.
1: So it's, it, it, what you're saying is there's a difference between we, well, so we want to use our cap space on Julius Randle slash Evan Fournier. Versus, we will just to use the Trailblazers as an example. We will take on Aaron, uh, Eric uh, Evan Fournier or Julius Randall. I understand the money doesn't work exactly with Randall for Eric Bledsoe. That's that's your point.
2: Yes, it's just it's more about the moving pieces because these teams that have cap space they have every right to try to prioritize it because that's their leverage. But you know, it's like okay, you want to dump the money, that's fine we'll just ask you for more of it because there are opportunity costs that we're not getting out of this. And I just, I thought that I I wanted to make it clear because that's fair. There, they are, there is value there. It's just a matter of what the returning value is. It's just not going to be, Hey, we, we dumped cap spaces. We've talked about, hopefully that's not the case anyway, because there are ways to go about getting a player
1: like Brunson. We know they're not, we know we know the, the Knicks are not going to dump cap space and, and open up twenty five million dollars within the first twenty four hours of free agency or whatever it is. Yeah. That's it's not going to happen. I, um, I have not gotten the sense. I don't. Know, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but just while I'm thinking of it, I have not gotten the sense that the Knicks are of the mindset of we have to get Julius Randle off the team. I. My assumption is that they are—they're probably exploring deals involving every player on the roster outside of RJ Barrett. Um, but I—I—I I, I still don't think they want to get rid of Randall just to get rid of him.
2: Right, I understand, but at the same time, if Randall doesn't want to be here, and if the Knicks also want to prioritize Obi Toppin, then something has to give, right?
1: Well, you're preaching to the choir there. I, I know I am. I, I'm just going, I'm telling you what my assumption is, which could be fucking dead wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> sure. I, yeah. I guess the, the other question I have is what is it that we say is the best ability? Availability. Right. I, I just trying to figure out what, what about Brogdon it is that feels like a, a more of a value play, but Randall Isn't it? Because I I went back and I looked and I was genuinely curious. And Brogdon has played in out of 231 possible games the last three years with the Pacers. uh, He played in 150 of them. That's 65. 60%? There you go. Randall, on the other hand, has appeared in 207 of 220 possible games. That's 94%. My,
1: My Brogdon theory is I could simplify it in a sentence. Mm hmm. Well, maybe two two sentences, two and a half sentences. The Knicks don't feel like this; they have a starting point guard for next year on this team currently, and they need to get one. And they will, they will go down their list of preferred options until, and if if they can't get the ones that are more preferable, they will settle on the the best one on their list. And I think Brogdon. Is higher on their list. Not be. I don't. I have no idea what the Knicks think of Malcolm Brogdon. I really don't. I think probably a lot of the noise you're hearing is is generated by. play I mean, It's not being generated by the Knicks. I can tell you that. It's not. We yeah. We're, we're both in agreement about that. But do, let's let me ask you. Do you think the Knicks feel like they have their starting point guard of next year's team on the roster right now?
2: Well, as I've said, I don't. Just because I don't think they see IQ in that role. That's okay.
1: Year. So we we agree on that. Hundred Who- percent. Their preferred options, I think. Right now, I have it personally ranked as one, Jaden Ivy. They'd love mm-hmm. to trade up for Jaden Ivy. And if they trade up for Jaden Ivy, they're going to give the keys to him and say, here, go learn. Number two would be Jalen Brunson. And maybe they feel like they can give Ivy and Brunson. I don't know. I have no idea. But would you would you agree that if they don't get Ivy at the very least, Brunson is the next option? I would say that is the order, and that is my personal order. Well. Great. Me too. So we're in agreement there. Mm-hmm. If they cannot get Brunson, Do you have anyone else in mind where you're like, I think the Knicks would look in that direction before they looked at Brogdon?
2: So it's less about, is there another player? Because there could be one out there that becomes available. It's more, is Brogdon's value going to be at a point where the Knicks are paying and treating him like he's an asset well, so that's me, yeah. he's not, he's turning 30 years old. There's three years and 66 or so million dollars left. He can't stay healthy. He had one fantastic season in Milwaukee that helped get him paid where he went 50, 40, 90. He has not been that player in that season. He was also a very much a third option, catch and shoot spot up guy. And now he's had a lot more responsibility. And I, My hope slash uh, thought process here is that if the Knicks do want Brogdon because they don't get Ivy, or they don't get Brunson, it's because they view him not as someone they're willing to pay a decent amount for in terms of assets. It's we know, Indiana, that you want to focus on Tyrese Halliburton and you have every effort to move Brogdon and you just signed him to this contract. And maybe you don't really want him on that contract because he can't play. And you want to turn him into something else. That's so I, where I think it's more the Brogdon interest. Yeah, we can get him, and maybe it's um it's an asset play, but at the same time, it's just we're not gonna spend a lot to get him. We're just we might even get something in return for taking him on.
1: I'm in like 85% of agreement with you in terms of where the pacers are at and in terms of where the Knicks are at. Where I where I'm slightly in in disagreement is <clears throat> so like. We've heard uh, it's been reported, I think, another Fisher report, probably, or maybe it's I forget where I, there's so many reports flying around. I forget. But somewhere on the interwebs from a source that is not like at, you know, you know, Leon Rose fan one, two, three, whatever um, it, it was like the, the Pacers are seeking. I don't know. I I saw this. I don't know. The Pacers are seeking like good stuff for Malcolm Brogdon. That to me. It says that no one wants to give them anything good from Malcolm Um, uh, So from the, again, I am thus far in agreement with you where I, where I, where I diverge a bit is I do not think that they accept the fact that he is a negative contract. So in a sense, I think they probably view him in a slightly better light than the Knicks view Julius Randle, in that they feel like, okay, we can go into this year with Malcolm Brogdon on our team with the full understanding that he is not in our long-term plans. Yes, you run the risk. He could get injured in the first he could get injured the first quarter of the first game. But I, I would bet that they are willing to run the risk that if they don't get a deal that they like enough, they'll just start the season with him and then hope that he increases his, his value a little bit and then a deal comes along as the season goes on. What is the value they'd be willing to accept? It, I, I I don't think they're going to give him away for nothing. I'll say that. Uh, you know, I think they're going to want something that they feel like. And, and by the way, you know, I, I tossed Fournier's name out there this week in a, in a newsletter. I think something could be built around that, but I bet you the Pacers would look at Fournier and be like, yeah, Brad, might not be great money, but Fournier might be slightly worse money. So I think they'd want a little sweetener.
2: See, but the reason I disagree is well, for one, I don't think they'd still do it because as long as Heald is on the roster and Duarte, I don't think they need Fournier.
1: That's a fair point.
2: But with Fournier, it's like, I don't want to undersell him because we you are shouldn't. talking about someone who obliterated the Knicks three-point shooting record in a single <laughs> yes. season. And look, I'm not saying that's he, the also, greatest record of all time. It's well, no, it's but a it's, valid it record. He's a something maddening player. He is a maddening player, <laughs> but he's a, he is also a player who is healthy enough when... If you get them on the right night, yeah, yeah sure. you're getting something that is productive, and you're getting some value
1: there. So wait, can I can I can I switch gears? Sure. It, l- let's say it's Noel and uh, say it's Noel and Burks or Kemba and Burks, right? Mm-hmm. But Burks and one of the two salaries that we think the Knicks want to get rid of. Um, does that does that change your mind at all?
2: It's closer. I don't. I don't know if I'm quite there yet. Um, but again, it depends on Ivy. It depends on, it depends on on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, it's, it's better, but it's not there. I still just, I just don't see him as positive value, but I understand why the pacers would. It's like a used car salesman. You, you want to get the car off the lot. You get the person to the lot. If they're there, you hold their attention. You find a way to make it work.
1: So the, so the part of the is part of the curiosity of of figuring this out is like, is is trying to answer the question. Well, what would the Knicks do? And again, you kind of brushed it off, and I get that. There's listen, there's always stuff that becomes available, right? Kevin mm-hmm. Walker became available, right? Um, I just I'm looking through the league. I I just I really do wonder what they would do if the, if the Pacers were like, let's say the Pacers were being sticklers and like, yeah, we, we want something really good. And, and Leon Rose was like, no, you're not getting it. Okay. I just wonder what they would do. And I wonder who would blink first. And I, I hope the Knicks would not blink first.
2: I mean, again, another option, which I understand is maybe not their preference, but they could just start a manual quickly. I know I know we both are, I know, I know. I'm just saying, I sure. I'm just saying that if they're not willing to Pay a premium for someone like Brogdon to miss twenty games or so a year. they could just or sixty roll with, games. <laughs> yeah, they could just roll with i q starting they could still keep Derek Rose and they could have Deuce filling in for Rose when he's injured. I don't think it's their preference by any means. I think it's it's not like the bottom of their list at all, but it's it's something to keep in mind where they don't want to like yes, they do need. That, you know, salary filler, if they're going to keep trying to make trades that way. But that's not even their real philosophy. Uh, I mean, uh, that, that is, I don't want to say that's not the. philosophy. It's their philosophy. I just, I think at a certain point, they don't want to nuke the entire team in order to just have that mindset.
1: I completely agree. And let me just be very clear for anybody wondering what my opinion on this is. If they did blink and they gave up a real thing for Biden, I, w- I would not like it. I'm not going to sit here and be like, I would hate it. Because I do think like we're being a, probably a little harsh on a player who, when healthy, again, massive blinking flashing red lights, when healthy, is a productive player in his own right. Does it mean he's the player the Knicks should want right now? Absolutely not. And I hope, they're, I hope they are not looking in his direction.
0: I'd agree. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. You need indeed. Hey guys,
3: quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or skip a week whenever you need. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. HelloFresh also offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. Try our quick and easy meals, which include 15 to 20-minute dinners, breakfast on the go and 10 minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sorloin are over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. Look, guys, I don't have to tell you how busy I can be with all the work I do for Nick's Film School, as well as my show Final Review. My fiance is just as busy, and when that question comes up every night, what do you want for dinner, rarely do we both have answers. Well, we've actually been customers of HelloFresh for over a year, and we're thrilled when we found out about this sponsorship. Not only is the food delicious, but it's convenient to make and takes away that simple anxiety of what you're going to have for dinner that night. They send you a week's worth of meals, you cook them, you prepare them, you eat them, and and then by the weekend, a new box for the following week shows up. It's that simple. Go to HelloFresh.com Film Filmschool16 and use promo code Filmschool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Filmschool16 and use promo code Filmschool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit.
2: I do... Before we go on to the the main course, I do have something that I wanted to run by you. Please. It was a thought that kind of like popped into my head and it's kind of marinated in there for a while. And I just, I can't quite shake it loose.
1: Teriyaki marinade. I love teriyaki
2: marinade. Oh, it's great. Nice sweetness to it. So I've been trying to think because yes, there are thoughts of where's Julius Randall going to go. No one wants Julius Randall. Do you
1: have the Julius Randall team? I
2: hope so. I don't oh know for certain, but I think I can make a compelling case for why this would actually
1: work. Can I get three guesses? Sure, I'll give you three guesses. Uh, okay. All right, I'm not going to spend too long on this. Uh, I'm literally just looking down the list of teams. Brooklyn. No. The Clippers. No. And one more guess. Make it count. I- <laughs> I I, sh- I should know you well enough to be able to know the team that's going to come out of your mouth right now. But I feel like I I all right, hold on. I'll give me two more. I'm just I'm almost through my list of teams. Uh oh, mm, do you have a three? Do you have a three-team deal in mind?
2: It could turn into a three-team deal. I do have that thought process, but um but it could still be two. My preference would it would have it be three. I just want to point out it's it, it, not. Because you can make it before the draft. You can make it after the draft. Uh, You could also just avoid the draft entirely. But the preference... What? Atlanta. Atlanta. It's not Atlanta. (laughs) Who is
1: it? Or do you want to set it (laughs) up?
2: I'll just say. I'll say up front. I think it could be the Spurs. Wow! Here's why. Whoa! Here's And here's what actually set it off for me. So... I can't wait to hear this. I'm not saying this will happen. I have no knowledge (laughs) that this will happen. But I actually have... Talked myself into why it could happen and why it could work for both teams.
1: Talk yourself. Come on. No.
2: I saw a report that the Spurs were interested in a five, drafting a five at the ninth pick overall.
1: Okay. Um, I think the, I saw the same report. The yeah.
2: prevailing thought is it's Jalen Uh, it could be Mark Williams, though, even though that's a little bit higher up. And there's also the fact that the Spurs have nine, 20, and 25. So they could want... They basically, uh, another report was saying they want to move off of 25 for a future pick because they have too many picks and they're yeah. trying to consolidate in some way by kicking it down the line. Drafting a five then gets to the thought process of, okay, well, what's the whole deal with Jakob Purtle? And Purtle is someone who then could be on the block because of the fact that there was another report This is all just reported and, you know, reportedly potentially whatever, but let's just play along with it where the Spurs don't really want to pay Jakob Purtle. This is, which is on an expiring contract entering this upcoming year for like a little under $10 million,
1: which we should point out makes him someone who, unless I would be surprised if you disagree with this, I, I think he's very unlikely to resign because I think Jakob Pertle is getting more than 11 point, Uh, $5 million on the open market. I would agree. So so he is going to go into unrestricted free agency.
2: And I actually went and did some research because I was curious. And there was an article that had interviewed Jakob Pertl at some point. And the way that he described it was very much, this is a business. I like It could be someone other than the Spurs. I read that as well. And to me, it was thinking, I just don't think the Spurs want to keep yaka Purtle long-term so where would he go what would he do well the thing is the reason why if he goes to the knicks why i don't know if it would be announced on draft night but i figured i should just say this now because in the event that it happens uh then could have said it and that would have been cool and if it doesn't happen it doesn't matter because it's all leading up to it so it's a win-win for me but if if yaka portal were if it were announced on draft night and uh-huh. it it essentially puts the Knicks in a weakened position with Mitch because then everyone knows, oh, well, they're getting rid of Mitchell Robinson. Now, it doesn't mean that the Knicks can't sign and trade him because they could. It's just their position is a little bit weakened.
1: But we'll they, see. Can I, I? I promise I won't spend a long time on this? I just need to talk out for myself why their position. It should be obvious, right? It's like, well, if they get a center, then everybody knows that they don't want Mitch. What if, what if they just don't want Mitch and they don't care who knows it?
2: It's possible. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, if another team still wants Mitchell Robinson and they have to sign and trade for him, then they still do need to work with the Knicks. It's just, is yeah. Mitch basically going to sign with another team for the mid-level exception or out of cap space. And that's that. Or if he goes to a place like Detroit, as we've talked about, and they have cap space and they sign and trade him and pay a second round pick to get a, a traded player exception. Like that's something else they could do. It's still an important I'm, move for them to make
1: hundred percent. I'm I'm almost wondering if at this point, the Knicks have an offer on the table for Mitchell Robinson that is low. And that Mitch and his representation are like F you, we're going to go find money elsewhere. And if the Knicks response to that is like, okay, here's how we're going to show you how serious we are about the fact that we're not going above the number that's on the table right now and then execute this trade. i sorry. I didn't want to no, take no, a step off course,
2: but it's an important piece of it. So I agree. But the thing about hurdle um, is he he's a lot like Mitch but he does a lot of things better. He's not, oh my goodness, he's he's so not good. perfect, but he is a better defensive player. He's a smarter player. He is someone who player. he finishes. He yeah. screens so well. He rebounds really well. He's a great shot blocker. Uh, he's a worse uh, roller than Mitch is, but he still does it at a, an okay amount. But like, if you think about a Walt Perrin five on the defensive end and having the hands to finish and grab boards, which as we talked about in the Mitchell Robinson cap or no cap, those are some of the most important pieces. He is a perfect player. And I would like to think that in a Tom Thibodeau system that you can get even more, not to say pop is any slouch. He's not, he's pretty good, but that based on the way, um, Tibbs has worked with bigs, especially ones who are decent passers. I mean, uh, Joachim Noah was an incredible passer. Uh, Jakob Pertl is not nearly that level, but He can do a little bit more. He also stretches the floor a tiny bit in the sense of you might take some mid-range jumpers. You're not going to expect to see him behind the three-point line, but he is someone where you basically are getting your anchor and you feel very comfortable exceeding the salary cap to pay him because my whole philosophy, and I hope this is proven correct, is that it's not that the Knicks don't want to pay a center. It's that they maybe just don't want to pay Mitchell Robinson the money he's looking for.
1: That's... can I just say to be extremely clear, that is exactly what I think yeah. is the case right now.
2: Especially if you're going over the salary cap, because you're already there. there like, there's no reason not to. Um, but I digress a bit to to go back to kind of the framework in this whole thing. So, why the Knicks do it? I mean, obviously, if Julius Randle does not want to be a Nick, if the Knicks feel that it's better to move on to Obi Toppin, that is a perfect reason. You you clear the space for Obi because we know. Um they're not going to play together. Just I I was looking at Julius in terms of the amount of minutes that he's played at the center position the last 3 years. And obviously one of them predates uh uh Tibbs, but like the fact that it's like 95% power forward, 5% center, 93% power forward. It hasn't center, happened. Like, yeah. Right. And so I don't think Obi is either is even going to be that player as well to to flank him. So as we've said, it's 48 minutes minus Julius Randle equals Obi Toppin. I don't think you can go into next season. I don't want to go into next season with that. I know you don't. I, I know a lot of people don't. You know I don't. Uh, I, do. <laughs> I do. I do indeed. But, so, um, so you, you know, about the fact that Pertle is a Mitch replacement. Um, you can sign and trade Mitchell Robinson, depending, as long as he doesn't sign for the mid-level exception and just signs for it. And you can't really do a sign and trade for that. Um, the fact that you could, you know, like other salary that might have to come in. If it's... I was thinking a third team that could come into to make the math and everything work out is you could do uh, the Blazers. You could have them uh, take sending Bledsoe to the Knicks in some capacity, and then they take on um, Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford, something along those lines where the math works.
1: So you're wait, hold on. So is it just about the math? Are you or are you now talking about sending? randall somewhere else
2: no i'm just the math randall's i still and i'll say why i think yeah this is this is the deal. part that has
1: me hanging on a thread here but that's
2: fine um let me get let me I, i've beaten around the bush too much with no things it's things
1: fine i can't I, I just look i'll be very clear about it i don't think sure the spurs okay. want him
2: well here's the thing they need a four desperately they i mean they dug mcdermott playing the four the entire season he's not someone who can really handle it. Keldon Johnson Um, played some four, didn't he? But not, not, he was really much more of a two, three.
1: I think he's, well, I think he's more of a, a, I don't know. Yeah. I think he's a three. Um, I agree with you that you, you probably do not want Keldon Johnson as your four moving forward. I, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. Right. So,
2: the thing about San Antonio, the benefit that they have is they can rehab Julius Randle's value and it won't really matter one way or the other. Because if you look at the West, if we could just play the if game, but let's do it. If the Lakers aren't one of, if not the biggest disappointments in NBA history, um, they're ahead of the Spurs. If Damian yeah. Lillard is not injured and held out for the season as the Blazers' tank, they're ahead of the Spurs. The Kings. The Spurs tried to tank. Like they tried to tank and they tanked their way into the 10th the seed. They couldn't get out of their own way. They, they, are, they are a team that desperately does not want to be better. Here's the thing about Julius, right? If Julius. He's the
1: ultimate tank.
2: Arguably. <laughs> it, it's a win win situation. Either he uh, is exactly what they need in terms of man. losing games or they start to actually do well and he can play there. And he looks good and they start winning games and then they can do the exact thing that the Knicks don't have the patience for because they have Obi, Similar to like the Pacers and Halliburton and uh, Brogdon, they can, they can wait a little bit. They can rehab his value and it's probably not going to affect their standings really at all. And I'm sure some people are thinking, well, stretching the floor, that's a disaster, right? You got Dejounte Murray, you got Julius Randle. Here's the thing. You can play Julius Randle at the five, something Tibbs does not do, something that he did a great job of in New Orleans. And you can have Murray at the one, Randle at the five, and then three floor spacers like Vassell, Elvin Johnson, and Doug McDermott. That looks pretty good. You can work with that. And you don't even have to win games. It's just like it opens options up. That's the thing. You have Zach Collins, who also is a lower budget five, who can play ahead of Duran or Williams or whoever, um, until he probably gets hurt, in which case, cool, we're going to start a rookie center that doesn't usually work out very well for teams that want to be good. So um, it happens there. They don't have to pay Pirtle, as I was mentioning. I just, I see it as an opportunity for them to buy low on a player who, let's face it, even if Julius Randle's in the middle of last season, the season before, isn't essentially Pirtle and, hell, let's say the 25th pick. After we just saw Christian Wood go for the 26th pick, isn't that worth taking a flyer on a guy to maybe be a top 40 player on a top 40 contract?
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why I don't think this is nuts, and I'm gonna tell you why I still don't think it happens. This is not nuts because if you're wondering about whether the Spurs would do something like this they kind of already did. I understand the circumstances were very different in terms of the trade, but if you're looking at a player whose value, who who had shown real ability at the NBA level and whose value was in the toilet, look no further than DeMar DeRozan. And the Spurs took him on and they leaned into his strengths and they developed his game. And that dude went and essentially rehabilitated his, I I, I don't want to say rehabilitated his career because he was still like putting up numbers and stuff in Toronto, but like nobody thought Nobody thought anything of Demar Derozan when he went to San Antonio, um, and then they—I thought they—they they did a wonderful job uh, turning him into like a, a point power forward essentially. So, and also the other thing why it's not crazy is the Spurs have never obviously cared about like where the shots that you're supposed to take versus the shots you're not supposed to take. They they brush all that to the side. the The reason why I don't think it's going to happen is I I still. Well, actually, I don't even know if I believe this. I was going to say they could probably get just a much cleaner future asset for Pertle right now if they wanted to. But then again, like,
2: what's the ceiling for Pertle? I I, I don't mean that. No, I really like him. Yeah, I as
1: I'm as I'm saying the words, I don't know if I believe them, because, again, I'll refer back to and again, Yaka Pertle is a player. I think most winning teams would want more than they would want. Christian Wood. even though Christian Wood could do things that Yaka Pertle cannot dream of doing. They talk about polar opposite types of players. Like, but Christian Wood just got the, again, the 26 pick in the draft. So like, what is the great ass who's giving up the amazing thing for Yaka Pertle? It's maybe
2: the Hornets taking <sighs> your, Like, are they doing Plumlee and 15 for Pertle? That's the deal, right? Like, but that's, a, that's it's a lot. And maybe the Hornets would rather... Because here's the thing. We talked about the Hornets and their pay issues. They have to pay uh, P.J. Washington. Yeah. They're still dealing with Gordon Hayward. They're going to have Miles to worry Bridges. about Miles Bridges. They're going to have to deal with Lonzo Ball. Like, they might just say, we don't want to spend big money on a center who needs to get paid. And I would understand it. I mean, they should just pay more and MJ should decide to not be so thrifty, but... That's a different conversation. I guess it's the other thought process of even if you take out 25, and at a certain point for the Knicks, you know, you do want this to be, you don't want to sell so low that it's like, why are we even doing this? Even though you do have OB knocking on the door. But even if you took out, say, the 25th pick or the 20th pick, whatever, and you had the Bledsoe factor going there, and the Blazers did that Milwaukee 2025 or the, yeah, the Milwaukee 2025 first. If you're the Spurs, couldn't you make an argument that Langford, who's really just $5 million of expiring salary that played four games for the Spurs. It was at the end of the season. have a
1: little time. upside left, but
2: there's know. no upside. No, he's, I don't want to be. You're correct, out on you're Romeo Langford. No, the Spurs weren't even in. They want, if they wanted to, they, they were <laughs> trying to tank and they didn't even play Romeo Langford. So no, that's that fair. kind of tells you something, but if you're basically the Spurs and you're saying Pirtle and Josh Richardson or Purdle and McDermott, take your pick for Randall. That like to me, especially because they don't have to care about cap space because they're going to be below for the next few years. Their most expensive salary right now is Dejounte Murray, and he's making like seventeen million dollars a year. Yeah, they're they're not a free agent destination. And at the point where they have to pay Murray again and Kendall uh, Keldon Johnson, God, I keep saying Kendall. It's I Keldon Johnson. It. I love Johnson. it that
1: you keep doing this. They pay
2: the two of them. They pay um, Randall. By the time their expenses are large enough. It's 2025 when the salary cap spikes up because of the new TV deal. There's no financial peril from it all. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but San Antonio is an hour's flight away from Dallas. You want to talk about a place where Randall can be comfortable? It's Texas. So I understand why there might be doubts and why there is no perfect location for Julius Randall. But I feel like this is the one place based on the circumstances and where we're lining it up where there aren't so many reasons for why this team would not do it. There are a lot of reasons for teams for why they wouldn't do it, why they shouldn't do it, why they can't do it. To me, this is basically more of like shrug. I could see it. It's, it's maybe not the best option. It's maybe not something that is worthwhile for both parties. But at the same time, it very easily could be because they both have players that they seem to want to move off of. I- if it's worth the flyer, then why not?
1: My goodness, would I like this deal <laughs> for the Knicks
2: again? Even if you're lead, and I, I want to not treat Randall like garbage because I, he's not garbage, he is a he is someone whose value is low. Yeah, but, but like, the Knicks, the if Knicks you're are telling me it's Pearl Bledsoe, and a first round pick from Milwaukee by way of Portland or Portland by way of Milwaukee. Like, that's why you re signed Randall. It's
1: not wait, how why, are we like, getting the how sorry, how are we getting the so
2: I'll, I'll take a step back.
1: The, it's the, the Blazers pick. It's the, the Milwaukee pick that the Blazers own.
2: Right. So it's Randall to the Spurs. Yeah. It's um, Langford or uh, and uh, McDermott or Richardson to the Blazers, and then Bledsoe and the Milwaukee Uh-oh. 2025 so, pick that the Portland okay. Blazers so, uh, so so they, is own and Purtle to the Knicks.
1: So they have to they would have to think that Josh Richardson or Doug McDermott will help them win basketball games. Um,
2: which when you look at their supporting cast and what they might need.
1: I, I, I mean, think. shit, we could get we could get Alec Burks to Portland for. At that, at that rate. In what sense? Uh Bledsoe's making 18, right? Yeah, but, A, you, but I'm saying. Something?
2: But the, it, the math would probably actually get thrown off the other way because it's too much money going out. Too much money going out from the Knicks perspective if you throw Burks in there as well.
1: Who cares about the money going out from the next perspective?
2: Well, but I don't want to treat Burks as a throw-in either. Like That's the thing. If you are using Randall to get a starting center, a weak first-round pick, and mass salary that's not going to play, like to me, that's a step in the right direction. Is it the most ideal? It is not. But I don't think that we're going to get to a point where we can say, let's wait enough to strike and get the get the thing that we want. If we if we as fans... And actually, not everyone wants him gone. And I respect that point of view. I just well, disagree with it. But so if, if there is the philosophy of he needs to go so we can have Obi and you can turn Randall into a better player than Mitchell Robinson, you can use Mitch in a sign-and-trade to get more assets, and you take on Bledsoe's crap money and you get a first-round pick out of it. Like To me, that just sounds like a very ideal scenario while you're also doing other things on the side.
1: Um, I love this. And to anyone out there who... Had, it thinks something that i've said before which is that like you don't want to sell low in a vacuum you don't want to sell low you never want to sell low when there's no reason to sell low there's a reason to sell lower than you might want to on randall right now and his name is Obi Toppin. and i don't i don't know how you get around that and like even if like, I don't know, is there a chance the Knicks just think Obi Toppin is just, like, a guy? Yeah, maybe. And maybe they don't think it is the end of, like, they have to open up a certain amount of time for him, as much as we, as Knicks fans, would love nothing more than that. It's still, if you are looking to turn the page off of what was a clearly unpalatable year last year, I t- that's the part of it, that I don't know how you move forward with both of these players on the roster. And if the alternative to trading Randall is trading Obi Toppen, then I hope you're not trading him just to move on from him. Like, And and, and again, that's the other part of the conversation. It's like, Who's giving up real value for Obi? I don't know the answer to that question either.
2: Yes. And another thought that kind of just dawned on me, if you did do this on draft night, instead of the 2025 first, Do you work out where you trade from 11 to seven? To seven. And then do you go into, we're better positioned for Ivy? Because now you're not doing the Julius Randle and 11 for Eric Bledsoe and seven, which I have absolutely loathed and will continue to loathe. Can
4: we we talk about that for a
1: sec? Yes. There are, there's a notion that the Knicks are going to get Julius to the Blazers and get seven that way. It's not going to happen. We should dispel that notion right here. It's, it's just, not going to happen. It's a clunky fit. It's clumsy,
2: and it's also just like we talk. We like as you were just saying, you want to get good value for him. To me, that's just not good value. Period. That is, eh,
1: I, I don't, I don't know it's, if it's I agree only with good that.
2: value if if it makes your life easier to get Jaden Ivy. That is the exception yes. that I have maintained, and I will, I will add that back again. I if, think that, if you can do it, then you. That's the price of doing business. But I don't think it's going to happen anyway because I think there are better, easier moves for the Blazers to make that aren't quite I mean it's not taxing I see why they should do it I just think there are players that they prioritize not named Julius Randle I completely agree with that okay